You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's scripture reading is from Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. As you're seated, I want to invite our youngest worshipers to to go with our Grace Kids staff. Um, Wow, a lot of kids. I bet y'all are excited about this week, right? And by that, you mean right now for Grace Kids. We've had a wonderful uh, week of worship as a church. I don't know if you were able to make it out to the the caroling um, at the Barrow last week. It was great. They were a little mixed up with the time, um, but our team rallied and was great and did a wonderful job of serving the community. Um, and thinking through the gospel as we sang it out loud, I hope you were able to come. If, you, if not, then pencil it in for next week, next year. Sorry, not next week. Next year uh, as we have a great time. And the last week, uh, as we've been walking through Advent, we got to hear um, a good word from the Lord through Corey, and Corey did a wonderful job of uh, presenting us 
with the idea of having trust and, and faith in God because he's the one speaking, um, not faith in ourselves, faith in our works or anything like that, but faith in the word of God. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer now as we consider and look at the text that um, the puckets read earlier and ask for the Lord's help this morning. Oh God, this news, it's the best news. We sing familiar songs this time of year that have stayed and endured the test of time. Songs that are filled with truth, songs inviting us to embrace the truth that leads to joy. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room or anyone watching on live feed or listening throughout the week, even to the playback of this, Lord, right now I pray that you would unlock our hearts, that you would make alive whatever is dead in our soul, that you, O Christ, would come now, that Holy Spirit, you would draw us to you, that you would bring to us this kind of joy that we read about. Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would break any and every chain of addiction, that you would break and unleash people who are held down to their past and that are afraid of their future. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you through and in Christ, our majestic Lord and Savior, bring salvation to families today. We can't do this. We're asking you to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we just sang a song about joy to the world. We just read a passage about joy. Let me ask you this morning as we start our time together, as you consider the Christmas season, this Advent season, do you have Christian joy today? I'm not asking if you're okay with God. I'm not asking if that partnership, that deal you made with God at some point in your life is holding up okay. I'm not asking if there's times in your life and your family where you thank the man upstairs for blessing you. I'm not asking if you even just kind of feel good about your life compared to other people that are sitting on your pew. What I'm asking is this. Are you experiencing the joy that the angels said should come when they shared the news that they shared? In verse 10 of our reading today, it says, but the angels said to them, to these shepherds, he said, the angels said to them, don't be afraid. We're usually afraid of what we don't know in the future, right? Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy. 
This joy, this great joy is linked with a certain news, good news, this good news, news not just reserved for the upper crest of religious people who seem to be checking the box as well. No, this is good news that even has come out to the the night shift shepherds out in the field. It's good news that has come to them. It's good news that leads to great joy and a great joy for all people groups, all peoples. Great joy, not seasonal joy, not, oh, it's Christmas time, I get to see my grandkids' joy. No, that's, that's some joy. Do you have great joy? It saddens me to say that I believe that so many people today who claim to be Christian have lost their Christian joy, have lost this great joy Do you have this great joy? Or are you one that's sort of teetering on the, I want to have joy. I don't know if I have that joy. I I, I want that. Or maybe you don't even have that joy at all. What does it look like? Well, we know that this great joy comes from this really good news. So what is the news? Okay, you ready? You ready for that great joy? Ready to buckle up? Ready to get it? Got your hands open? Here we go. I proclaim to you good news, great joy that will be for all people. Here's the news. Verse 11, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. There. You got it? Well, that's cool, the amens, but no, do you really have the great joy now all of a sudden? Was the button pushed? Was something all of a sudden coming alive like that's never been there before? Maybe. Hopefully. But if that didn't do it for you, there's probably some reasons why. Maybe we don't really grasp how good this news is. Maybe we've forgot, forgotten to think about it and meditate it, not just once a year, but every day about this good news. Maybe if we could see a picture of what this good news is, has done. What maybe if we could get a glimpse of what great joy looks like. People who got this good news and all of a sudden we get to see this great joy. Maybe you've seen those people in your life. Maybe you've been one of those people in your life. I think that's what's so beautiful beautiful about the testimony of Luke here in this gospel that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to reveal what this Christian joy, this great joy looks like, what this angel said would be for all people. I introduce to you Simeon and Anna. What do we know about these two? What I want us to see is not the highlight of a life lived out by Simeon or the highlight of a life lived out by Anna, but I I want you to see their their great joy and why they have it. Let's learn something about these two. We don't know all that much, but what we do know is enough for us to exalt Christ. There are two older Jewish people who are a part of what's called the remnant Jews who are waiting to see the fulfillment of the prophecies of the coming king. They were waiting, they were longing for this. 
There were many that had deserted hoping and deserted having faith that the coming king would come, but these two had not. They had held the course. They were praying for others. In a way, these two were some of, two of many that were ushering in, ushering out the old covenant, waiting for this new covenant to come in. Simeon, in verse 25, it says this. A man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. The Holy Spirit was on him. So what do we know about him just from the get-go is that this man was devoted. This man was righteous. He was doing everything he knew to do. When he didn't know what else to do, he did what he knew to do. That was to be devoted to God. He pursued and he followed God. The Holy Spirit's presence was all in him and over him. We see it in verse 25 there. The Holy Spirit was on him. We see it in verse 26. It had been revealed to him, how? By the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And then we see it again in verse 27. He was guided by the Holy Spirit to enter the temple. This was a devoted man. And though he didn't know what else to do, he knew to do what he was supposed to do. And that's what we know about Simeon. Anna, what we see about her is that she, well, let me just read it. There was a prophetess, she was a prophetess named Anna, a daughter of Phanuel in the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years. Thank you for pointing that out. I'm sure she was grateful for that. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She was an older lady. She's an older lady who's, Identity is wrapped up in who she's the daughter of and who she was the wife of. And now she's a prophetess and says that she was long in her years. What did she do? Well, she probably didn't know what else to do, but she did what she knew to do. She did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayer. Servant of God, devoted. Notice that both are older. Both are living their final years. They're giving their final efforts, their final days in true devotion and allegiance to God. Simeon, as an older man, instead of being set in his ways, relentlessly demanding this or that for himself or for his family, he's humbly following the Spirit of God. All of his years of structure are gladly submitting to whatever God would have for him to do and to go do. And as an older woman, she's not forcing her way. She's not forcing herself or her agenda onto anyone else. She's giving herself away, giving herself to the task to be done in the temple, giving herself to prayer, to fasting for others. And even there, she allows her habits and her her task that she normally does to be interrupted with this good news. They were righteous and devoted. These were God-centered people. And just being devoted to spiritual activities was not what brought them great joy. If anyone can do more, then put it to the test against Simeon and Anna. They were doing it all. They were devoted to the very end but that's not what brought them the great joy. 
Back at 25, and again at 38, we see something specific. In verse 25, it says about Simeon that he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. Yes, he's busy. Yes, he's devoted. Yes, he's righteous. Yes, he's doing all of these things. But his eyes are hoping, looking for the consolation of Israel. Anna, same thing, fasting and praying and fasting and praying. We see in verse 38 that she came out to speak about the one she just saw. She just saw Jesus and to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. About Simeon, it says he was looking for the consolation. And about Anna and those that she was talking to, they were looking for redemption. Get it? Got joy now? Oh, okay. Do good stuff and look ahead. Is that what? Is that the message? No, we need to unpack what it is they're looking for. We're going to look at what this consolation is and what this redemption really means. Verse 25, this hope that Simeon had, this looking, this quest, this constellation is actually from a passage from the prophet Isaiah 40. We actually read it last week at our Advent reading or at some point last week. We see in Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2 these words. This is a prophecy. This is a prophecy spoken through Isaiah about what is to come. This is what Simeon knew and was clinging to. And here's the prophecy. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned. And she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. We see this word in Hebrew, comfort. In Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word nakam, which means to console or to comfort. You hear that word? To console. We come over to the passage in Luke where it says that he was seeking and looking for the consolation of Israel. It is the word paraklesis, which means the comfort and the consoling one. We have here Simeon crying out, looking for what was promised in Isaiah 40 and other chapters. Simeon was looking for the consoling and the comfort from God that God has promised him and his people. Have you ever needed that comfort from God? Have you ever, do you know people in your life that you're praying that God would console them and comfort them? This is what Simeon was praying for. This is what he was looking for. Simeon was hoping for God to fulfill his promise. Comfort, comfort, consoling from their painful struggles, from their hardships. Hardships from what? For being honest. Simeon was looking for consolation and comfort from the hardships of God's discipline on him and his people. God's just, just punishment 
on the people for the things that they have done against him in their past. The suffering, the exile was unbearable to them. Simeon and others long for the consoling comfort that God has promised. I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to bring comfort. I'm going, my, my wrath will stop. My discipline will end. And Simeon was hoping for this. John Piper put it this way. They long for the application of the tenderness of God to a war-wearied people. They long for the application of the pardon of God to sin-sick people. The restoration for everything from their past that has been lost. They long for a heavenly father's tender affection for his children. They longed for the pardoning of all of their sins. And not just the pardoning, but the burying of their sins into the depths of the sea. Where do we get that? From Micah chapter seven, another prophecy which says, who is a God like you forgiving iniquity and passing over the rebellion of the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast them, cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. This is comfort. The people were told of the promised consolation, the promised comfort that would come, and it would only come through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Simeon was hoping for this. He was looking for this. He was believing in this. And when he got to behold Jesus, he got to behold the one who's comforting his own soul. Beholding Jesus and having Jesus, when Jesus came, his parents brought him into the temple. Simeon got to see him and got to immediately know the past has been taken care of. I can now find comfort in the Messiah. You see, the consolation and the comfort would come through Jesus because God's justifiable anger was now gonna be poured out on him. No longer be poured out on the remnant, no longer be poured out on the people and the children of God. It was now all of the anger of God was gonna be poured out onto Jesus on the day that he was to go to the cross and then the forgiveness of all the people would come. And only then Simeon found comfort in this moment from all of his past sins when he got to see the Savior. Jesus is the consolation that Simeon needed. He is the consolation that he longed for. He is the one that has come Jesus was the comfort for his soul. Jesus is the comfort for our soul. For salvation could be found in no one else. Translate that or connect it with this. Comfort can be found nowhere else but in Christ. The comforter has come. Salvation has come. 
And we notice what this did for Simeon. Look with me in verse 29. Simeon, or verse 28, Simeon took him up in his arms. He praised God and he said, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised for my eyes have seen your salvation. Before this, the past of our people, the pains of our people, the sufferings of our people, everything I look in the past just cripples us. It's, it's a negative blemish on us, but now consolation has come. Now the sins can be cast into the sea. The sins will be paid for. Oh, this is good news. This is unusual peace. This is the peace that we sing about. This is the great joy that the angels declared would come because this is indeed the best news. So I want to ask you if you have great joy. One thing I want you to ask, or one, one way I could ask it is this. Has your soul been consoled by Christ? Have you been comforted by Jesus? When you look at your past, are you free from it? Do you find comfort because of what Jesus has done? Or do you find comfort in trying to do all these good works? Do you try to console yourself by turning to this or looking to that or just numbing out to the reality of who you were or who you are without Christ? If that's what you're doing in your life, trying to work, 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 or trying to strive, 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 or trying to forget, 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 and Jesus isn't involved in any of it, you will not have comfort. There is no consolation. It's only in Christ that we have that kind of peace. That's why it's good news that leads to great joy. Jesus, our comforter, our consolation has come to pay for all your sins. The bitterness that you hold on to, the lust that you're battling, the agony of the injustices maybe against you or that you've done or that you see going on in the world, the greed, the failures, the guilt, the anger, the hate that you don't want to admit that you have. The consoler has come to take it all from you, to bear it all from you. Jesus has come to swallow up everything from our past that has chained us to pain and the burdens and the sorrows that we can't bear. He is our comforter. He is our consoler. He is Simeon's burden bearer. Is he yours? Have you given it to him? Jesus is the good news that brought Simeon the great joy. He encountered God, and he was changed forever. But Anna and Simeon weren't just hoping for the constellation and the comfort for their past. They were looking for the victory for their future. It's not just that their past that they want to feel better about. It's the future that they want to have hope in. And that's where this word redemption comes in. See, 
the consolation and the comfort of Christ, that's one gift. That's part of the gift. You open it, you love it, like, wow, this is great. I can't, nothing could be better. But there's another gift to open, another part of this. And that is the part and the idea and the reality of redemption for the children of God. Redemption means deliverance. It means freeing. It means liberation from enemies, both present and that yet to surround us. Redemption means that we can look forward and no body has claim on us in our future. We are redeemed in the past so we can move forward in freedom, redeemed people. We see this in uh, Zechariah's prayer. Corey read this last week. Let's look back in Luke chapter one, just for a brief moment to see Zechariah, who's, remember his story, if you weren't here last week, um, Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. It's a quite amazing story that I encourage you to go back and read if you haven't read it. And his struggle through faith and the coming to faith and in and, and, and experiencing the joy of the Lord, he he sings this song, it's a prophecy, and we see that he's not just singing. It's like, as fathers, you're, you're tempted to sing about your son, your child, your reality. Here's my little world. But no, what Zechariah's singing about in his prophecy is about the comforter and about the redeemer. Here's what he says. We'll look in verse, um, sorry, I'm 50 now. Look at verse 67. Chapter one, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, well, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. Listen to this. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. I'll explain that in just a second. In the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. This is a beautiful reminder of what redemption is. This is redemption which reminds us that we have salvation from our enemies to come. Redemption is salvation coming away from those who hate us. We have salvation from them. Redemption is that we have this saving from the horn of salvation for us. What is this horn of salvation? The horn of salvation is the symbol of power. It's a symbol of power. Redemption is the powerful, victorious, conquering work of a powerful, victorious, conquering God. Redemption is that powerful work that frees us from all the other unseen powers that try to hold us down. Every one of us in this room or that has ever been in this room, or that has ever been in any room, in any part of the world, desperately needs victory over the enemies that hate us. 
We all need victory over the plans of the enemy. You know, the one who roams like a lion seeking whom he can devour. We need help. He is stronger than us. He's bigger than us. We need some, someone more powerful to take on the enemy who's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy that has plans for our future. Plans for you to stay addicted to whatever it is you're addicted to. Plans for crippling diseases and ailments. Plans for depression that you can't get out of. Plans plans for injustices all around that make us hate one another. This is the plan of the enemy. And we need rescue from that. We need redemption from that future in our life. The way I like to picture it is we need the rescue from the branding that's been charred into our soul and onto our psyche that labels us lost, addict, pornographer, murderer, hater. Whatever the enemy has come and branded on your psyche, sinner, we need a stronger brand. We need one with a bigger brand. We need one that's come to the rescue. We need the horn of salvation to come and redeem us from that brand, brand over it that says saved, redeemed, free. This is what Anna and Simeon looked for. This is what they hoped for. Is this what you're looking for? Are you hoping for this redemption? Redemption means, when I think about it in my own life, I, redemption means I am no longer a slave to the one who hates me. I'm no longer a slave to my own brokenness. I'm no longer a slave to what people want to say about me. I'm free. I'm redeemed. I've been, the chains have been broken. To be redeemed means that our dreams for freedom will come true. It also means that our nightmares will be proven untrue. That needs to sink in because most of what strongholds get a hold of us is worry is doubt about the future, nightmares, things we can't control, things we worry about. Listen, to be redeemed in Christ, the freedom we have in Christ will come true. Those nightmares that we're dreaming or worry about will come untrue because all the good things that come to us are in Christ and we are more than conquerors for those who are in him. This is good news this is good news that leads to great joy, comfort from our past, freedom for our future. Both are found only in Jesus. This older, suffering man, Simeon, will now 
die in peace. He has been set free. He has been comforted from his past. He is redeemed for his future. This heartbroken, devoted 84-year-old widow who's longing for the one to come and heal her from her yesterday and secure her for her future has finally seen him. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the horn of salvation, the consolation, the redeemer, the joy of salvation has come. And just in case, again, just to remind you that this consolation, this redemption, this good news was just reserved for Anna, just reserved for Zechariah, just reserved for Simeon. Look with me at what Simeon says in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation. I sometimes in my mind even insert the word even. A light for revelation. Even, shouldn't probably do that, but light for salvation, revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. This comfort, this redemption, that was promised to them, is promised to all of us who have placed our faith and hope in Jesus, our Savior, our Comforter, our Redeemer. As we close, Advent season is a season to remind us of this really good news. This church, I pray every Sunday, is a day you come and be reminded of this really good news. This good news that should bring us great joy. We, in Advent though, we have words that we highlight each week that are emphasizing this good news. We started out with the word hope. The hope that salvation has come. The hope that is found in Jesus. And then last week we saw the word faith. Today we have the word joy. My friend, there is no way to have great joy unless you have placed your faith and your hope in Jesus above every other thing. What do you turn to for comfort? What are you going through right now at the season of your life that maybe nobody else knows about? This stronghold that everybody else looks on the outside like, man, that person's got it all together. But deep down, there's something in the future you're worried about, you're, you're concerned about, you're scared about. What is it from your past that you're not able to let go of, that wrong done to you or that wrong that you did to somebody else that you need comfort from? that you need freedom from. There's a gift for you, the same gift for Simeon, the same gift for Anna, the same gift for me. It's a gift to console you from your past. It's a gift to redeem you for your future. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have 
eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If you've done this, if you've done this and you've lost your joy, come back to Jesus. Start your morning with Jesus. Get in your car with Christ. Have lunch knowing that Jesus has redeemed you and consoled you. Go to bed knowing that Jesus has paid for it and planned for it. Plan your day. Plan this next year. Jesus in your life. Jesus in your morning. Jesus in the evening. Don't get tired of Jesus. He is our consoler. He is our redeemer. Let's pray. Holy Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Because one thing we, I don't know, Lord, I'm reminded of is it wasn't, it wasn't Simeon and Anna's good works that brought them the great joy. It was beholding Jesus. Holy Father, I love this text because we see your love for us, that you would send your own son. I love this text because we know that Jesus came willingly. I love this text because the Holy Spirit is working to bring Simeon to that joy. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, if there's anyone in this room that is bound by their past, branded by something that haunts them, I ask Holy Spirit, bring them right now to faith in Jesus. Break the chains, redeem and comfort their soul in this moment. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our comforter, our redeemer. We pray this for the fame of Jesus. We're about to sing a song and I invite you in this moment to just sort of unplug from all the things that you think needs to happen today or this week, which I'm sure is a lot. But I encourage you right now just to evaluate how you know and trust Jesus. Maybe there's people in your life that need Jesus proclaimed in their life. Maybe this is a time during this song and this time of reflection that you even pray, oh Jesus, go to them. Oh Jesus, speak to them. Maybe you're here and no one knows it and you're crumbling on the inside. Submit yourself to the majesty of Jesus and trade in the tragedy of your life for the majesty of Jesus Christ.